This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It's so lovely to have you here listening to me. I wanted today to talk about how my journey has been over the last seven years. I did it in season two and I shared what it was like as a widow at six years. And it felt right to explore that again at seven years. I'm recording this today, but actually it's going to be released on the 11th of September. And the 11th of September, 2016 is the day Simon died. So if you're listening today on the 11th of September, It is exactly seven years since Simon's death. It was a Sunday morning. He'd gone out for a bike ride and he didn't come home. He was literally here for breakfast and gone for lunch. It's been a really tough journey. It's been an incredibly hard, tragic, soul-destroying at times journey. It's also been incredibly transformative. It's allowed me to explore and reveal parts of myself that I didn't know existed. And I'm still on that journey. I don't necessarily think there's an end point. My perspective on life has has changed a lot. And how I approach life has changed a lot. And there's a lot in my grief that I'm grateful for. There's also the parts of my grief that still feel heavy. Now, I'm going to share with you my truth, my journey, what it's like for me. I don't want you to use this as. I guess, a benchmark for for where you're heading or for where you think you should be. Grief is so unique to us all. And there's so much in our grief that is similar for so many of us. But there's also a lot that is very different because we're different. Our relationships were different. Our circumstances are different. The death of our person was different. The choices that we make afterwards, the way we think, the way we behave, it's all different. There's no right or wrong, you know, and I think that has to be the underlying message around grief, that your way is the right way. And, you know, within this podcast, I share so much about my journey about what I've learned around grief. We, you know, we have guests and and other people come on and share their journeys and, and what's worked for them. And you'll notice that it's just absolutely different 
for everybody. And that, I think, is the beauty of, of bringing people together. And this is why I absolutely adore my communities, because when you bring people together that are going through something similar and we all share our different ways, our different outlooks, our different perspectives, our mindset shifts, the tools that we use, how we are supporting ourselves, we can take little bits from each person and they may not all fit for us, but they give us options. They allow us to get curious about maybe shifting our beliefs, maybe behaving in a different way, maybe making different choices to see if that might work for us too. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay. We've learned something. And we go on and we try something else. So wherever you are in your journey, you know, whether you are, you know, completely new to widowhood, maybe you're you're 10, 12 years in. And what I'm saying doesn't feel achievable for you, or it's something that you would like to work towards, that's okay. Listen with a, an open heart and an open mind, and just maybe explore what might be possible for you. Because we were talking about this actually in Finding Hope in Widowhood last night. Um, we had a, a session and it was an amazing session. And we were talking about what we've achieved since our person died. And there are ladies in the group that are literally a, a few months in. There are ladies in the group that are a few years in. And taking that time to recognize what you've done what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, what you've faced, what you've changed um, is really important. It's really important because it can feel like we're going nowhere fast. But if somebody had said to me at the beginning of my journey in seven years, this is what your life will look like, I would never have believed them. I'd have said there's absolutely no way that that would be my life. I, I just, I can't see it. It would have just felt too far away. And, you, you know, when you're in that really dark place, when you've just lost your, your person, you can't ever imagine achieving things, finding peace in your heart, finding love, finding joy, finding happiness, growing as a person. Um, because the pain is suffocating absolutely suffocating. So it is important that, you know, we thinking ahead can feel scary. So, you know, we don't always want to think too far ahead, but I think it can be good to sometimes hear other people's stories and what they're achieving to give you hope. And that's why I do what I do essentially is to, to give people hope and you know, in my programs, in my membership, in my in my 12-month program, is giving people the tools to back that hope up because hope on its own isn't enough. You have to take action. And it's the action that you take that will lead you forward. 
And sometimes it's very small action. Again, you know, last night we were saying that, you know, what you achieve and, and how far people have come, you know, like I've, I've shared with you before, there's there's ladies that have traveled the world, they've driven on motorways, they've been on, on solo trips, they've been to family events by themselves, they've stepped out their comfort zone, they've learned something new, they've met new friends huge things started master's degrees you know that just huge things that felt so impossible but you you don't start at the beginning and go straight to that point it's it's a process of small steps taken consistently over time and they do lead to giant leaps they really do so we have to take that time in our journey to think about what we are doing what we are doing and is what we're doing helping us? Is it serving us? Is it is it allowing us to take those steps forward or is it keeping us in a place of discomfort? And, you know, I, I, I often say to people, you know, what is it that you are looking for? What is it you are working towards? What what would you like from life? And and that's a big question. It's It's hard to answer because what do you want? I, I didn't know what I wanted in the early days of my grief, but I do know what I didn't want. And this is what I help people explore a lot. You may not know what you do want, but you know what you don't want. And by default, that gives you a lot of information. So seven years, if I'm honest, I feel more sad this year than I did last year. Um, if you go back and listen to my episode in season two, six years a widow, I feel like I was in a better place then than I am now. And sometimes that can feel like you're going backwards in life, but we're not, we're never going backwards. You can only ever go forwards. Sometimes it feels easier. Sometimes it feels harder. Um, things happen, things change, our circumstances change, our situations change, we grow, we evolve. What sometimes once worked doesn't work anymore. I have two girls, you know, that uh, Sydney has done her GCSEs this year. She did really well. She's going on to sixth form to do her A-levels. Ella, my youngest, has just finished her first year at senior school and is going into her second year. They're growing up. They're growing up fast. And Sydney specifically, her grief this year has been heavier for her as she's getting older, as she's having to make bigger decisions in life, as she's trying to think about, you know, where does she go? What does she do with her life? Does she go to college? Does she do A-levels? What subjects should she take? Working hard for her GCSE. So, you know, finishing school, going to prom, these milestones, getting her results. I mean, they are just, they're huge days. And to not have your dad there by your side sharing that with you, that sucks. That really sucks. And we have had a two-week holiday this summer, myself, Andy, um, and the two girls. Andy is my new partner. Um, we, I say new. We've been together for four years now. Um, but the holiday was challenging, if I'm honest. And 
it brought up my grief and it's very easy in those moments when life becomes a little bit more difficult to think oh, you know if simon was still alive if he, if he was still here everything would be so much easier everything would be so much better we'd all be much happier and i have to catch myself in those moments because it's very easy to romanticize and idealize a life that you don't have, that you should have, that you want to have, but you don't anymore. And look at it through rose-tinted glasses. Now, it's very easy to reflect on the life that we had with our person and and do the same and romanticize about it and idealize it. And we put our person on a pedestal and we think about all the wonderful times that we had together. But even when our person was alive, there were challenges. It was difficult. There were clashes. There were arguments. There were different perspectives. That's life. You know, it, it's never perfect. It never has been. It never will be. That's not how it works. You, you know, we we do our best and we keep going and we we try and be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. And and we learn and we and we grow, but things happen. Things happen. So in those moments when I'm thinking about Simon and how life would be if he was still here, if he was still alive, and I'm idealizing it in my head. I have, I have to remember when Simon was alive, it wasn't always perfect and wonderful and rosy and happy. It was tough. And I had down days and I had difficult days and we didn't always see eye to eye and, and our parenting, I say skills, Are they skills? <laughs> I like to think so. Um, our, our, our parenting outlook, maybe, um, was was different. So, you know, when I was on holiday and I'm there with Andy and the girls and, and it feels difficult because Andy's not their dad and it's still all on me and it, and it feels heavy. He will never be their dad. You know, he's he's my partner. And yes, there's a lot that we share together. But I feel very torn sometimes. And there's a, a, a push and a pull. And it, it, it can feel tricky. It can feel tricky. And teenage girls, God love them. <laughs> we're not the easiest of things, are we, when we're teenagers? Not that I'm still one, but I was one once. So it's just keeping myself in check and it's reminding myself, you know, that it it wouldn't necessarily be easier if Simon was here. It would be in some ways, but not in every way. And I think this year it's been it's been tough. It's been tough for for different reasons. And I know this anyway, but <laughs> there are times I think in my grief when it's been so quiet, my grief has been so quiet. And I've got to a point where I've thought, actually, is there an end? Is there an end to grief? You you know, I've almost, people say there's never an end to it. And um, it stays with you forever. It never goes away. You learn to live alongside it. And being honest, I have got to points in my journey where I've thought, 
I am so cool with this now. I am so cool with this. I don't feel like I'm even grieving anymore. I don't even feel that constant heaviness, that sadness. My life is good. It's going in a direction that I love. Things are uh, uh, just bumbling along in a nice way. Everyone around me is cool. The kids are cool. And and I've questioned that belief that grief is forever because I've thought, well, it, I don't know if I agree with that, actually, because I've, I'm, I'm in this place now. <laughs> and cocky is not the right word, I don't think. I, well, I know it's not. But there, there's an element of, oh, okay, maybe I've discovered something new. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe other people feel this, but they don't want to share it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Maybe, but maybe, maybe I will feel this more permanently maybe when I get to 15 years or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, however, there have definitely been moments in this last year where I've been reminded that I'm not free of grief. I I am not in this perfect, happy place <laughs> um, where I'm completely cool with it. It's still there. And and over the summer, it's felt really quite heavy. It really has felt quite heavy. Not in the way it did in the early days. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still able to to get on with with life and function, but it's there. It's and it and it's that thing that, you know, it's it's just, it's always there. It's it never, it never really leaves you, does it? Do you, as much as yes, you have moments where it feels lighter, you you're still very conscious that your person isn't alive anymore and and even on on the days where i am feeling upbeat and bright and positive and just wanting to embrace life and and, and just cool with with everything as it is here in this moment I still never forget that simon died you know i've never I've never had that moment. And people talk about this moment. I have personally, I've never had a moment where I've forgotten and I've gone, oh my God, he died. Oh my God. I don't, not that I recall, not that I recall. I don't ever remember having that. There are, there are times when it kind of hits you in the face and it can take your breath away, but it wasn't that I forgot. It's strange. It's really strange. I asked in, in my group over the summer, what one question would you ask your person if you could? And I just thought this was such a great, great question because it's really hard. It's really hard to think about what one thing would you ask your person if you could ask them one thing. And there was such such a mix of, of questions. Some people were brilliant. They were like, where's the key to the garage? <laughs> I can't find it. Where have you put it? That, that Those kind of, um, y- you know, questions that, answer the frustrations that you have that you you don't you don't ha- you know you don't know how to work them out because they're not here to ask do you miss me am i doing okay are you proud of me can you hear me when i talk to you do you know how loved you were are you okay are you at peace are you pain free are you happy were you scared did you know what's it like in heaven are you saving my space? Lots of questions. There were many, many more. And it really got me thinking. And one lady said, what would your question be, Karen? 
And I kind of, I thought long and hard about it, <laughs> like you do. It's never going to happen, but you put a lot of thought into these things, don't you? And I I thought, I don't necessarily want to ask him if he thinks I'm doing okay or if he thinks I'm doing all right with the girls, because if he turns around and says no, if I'm honest, would I change anything? Because actually I'm following my heart and my instincts and I'm doing this in my way. So I kind of thought, well, is that a good question to ask then if you're not going to listen to the answer? <laughs> And I thought, you know, I used to love having conversations with Simon because he would always offer a perspective on something that maybe I hadn't thought of. He was very wise and and I just loved talking to him. And I think if I could ask Simon a, a question now, I think it would very much be along the lines of, you know, knowing what you know now, he's died, he, he's he's gone. I don't know what information he would have on what's going on here, but I would love to know what sort of words of wisdom he would have for me. What would he, I guess, guide me towards maybe, or I don't know. I just, I feel like he, I feel like he would have a bird's eye view on, on my life. Um, and I I think I'd want him to tell me his thoughts on it and and let him decide what felt important enough to, to share with me rather than me guide him too much. But what would you ask your person? What would your one question be? If you could ask them one question, what would that one question be? As the years have gone on, I've continued to to change, to grow, to evolve. Sometimes I'm clear on where I'm heading and what I want and what I'm doing. And other times I'm really not. (laughs) It's life, I think, isn't it? It is life. And, you know, I, I teach this in my program. I teach people how to ask the big questions, how to sit with that, how to be patient with the answer, because they don't always come when you want them to come, to be curious, to explore, to listen to to what your body's telling you. It gives us a lot of information and it can feel confusing and it can feel messy. And a lot of the time, nothing makes any sense. And we're sat with this chaos in our minds. What I love to do is help people to slow down and share the tools to help them tune in to to what needs to be listened to, to to dial down all the external noise that goes on around us and to really tune in to to what's within. What what is your body guiding you towards? What is it telling you? What is that information? And it can feel scary. It can feel big. You know, making choices by yourself, making changes in your life can feel really scary. It makes you feel vulnerable, you know, not having that person by your side. Am I doing the right thing? There's, there's so much, it's complex and building that inner belief, understanding that we can do this. We can find our way. We will figure it out every step of the way because we do. And, you know, I feel there's that that I'm at that point in my life now where I need to to reassess a little bit where I'm heading and what I'm doing and what I want from life. And we had a great discussion in my group around living. 
what is living? What does living mean? What does it mean to you? Like I say, you know, we all have a completely different outlook and perspective on life. And and what living means for me will be very different to what it means for you. But as I've evolved, as I've grown, as as my life has changed over the years, what I want and need from life has has also changed. And and that brings my grief up to the surface as well sometimes, you know, because so much of it is wrapped up in the girls. And it's hard. It's hard watching your children navigate life carrying a, a heavy load, a heavy loss. And, you know, I, I feel incredibly sad about how much Simon's loss has impacted our lives and continues to, you know. It's, it's a great sadness. It's a great loss, I feel sad for him, for the girls, for myself, for his mum, for his friends, you know, one of his friends, um, the, the the friend he was with actually on the day he died has recently just got an amazing promotion at work, like epic. And I was texting him, congratulating him. And he said, you know, I really miss Simon at times like this, because he's the one friend I had that would really have understood the achievement and, and what it's taken to get here and would have celebrated that with me. It's rubbish. It's really rubbish. On the flip side, I'm also incredibly grateful for what the grief has taught me about me, about life, about what's important, about what's not. And that's not to say that I get it right all the time. Um, I don't, you know, I I behave in ways I'm not always proud of. I I struggle to find my way through certain situations. I get frustrated. Um, but, you know, I've come a long way. I've come a long way. And so have you. Wherever you are in your journey, you've come a long way too. And, you know, life throws us curveballs. It hands us lemons. And it happens to everyone. You know, it, even if you're not a widow, We've all had our challenges in life. That's how it works. And it's not what happens to us that defines us. It's how we choose to respond. It's the choices that we make after the worst has happened. That's what will define you. And, you know, your grief, your loss, it will shape you. It it will. It will shape who you become. But it doesn't have to define who you become. We again we were sharing in our group and, and we very much talk about the labels, the roles that we place on ourselves in life. And, and widow's a big one. Mum, daughter, friend, colleague, niece, auntie, neighbor. That there's that there's so much. But actually, you are you. I am Karen. And it's very much thinking about who are you? Who are you? Who do you want to become? What do you want your life to look like? And they are big questions. And depending on where you are in your journey, they will land in different ways. But, you know, wherever you are in your journey, feel it. Whatever is showing up for you, it's not 
right or wrong, good or bad, positive or negative. It's it's a feeling and it needs some attention. It needs some time. It needs to be felt and it needs to be released. And there are many ways that you can do that. That is up to you. What is in your toolbox? What are you drawing on to help you release? Exercise, singing, journaling, meditating, counseling sessions, joining a group. There's, the list goes on. It's endless. But try not to fight it. Your feelings are not permanent. They will ebb and they will flow. They will come and they will go, much like the clouds in the sky. Let what is be by fighting it. It takes up so much energy and actually it doesn't really serve us. As hard as it is, allow it. Make space for joy. It is essential. Now, joy is a big word. And I don't mean you have to go out partying or achieving amazing things. It's those little pockets of happiness, as Richard E. Grant calls them. Um, Well, actually, it was his wife, wasn't it, that said, you know, find a little pocket of happiness in every day. And he has done that. And I think they are incredibly wise, wonderful words whatever that is. And they might be tiny. It might be a cup of tea in the back garden. It might be a walk. It might be being by water. It might be connecting with somebody that makes you feel good. It might be growing a beautiful plant in your garden. It might be um, just a moment's silence, listening to your favorite song. Whatever that little pocket of happiness is in your day, go after it. Allow it again. You know, it is vital to your healing journey. Find your tribe. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Now, have you joined Awakening Hope? It starts. If you're listening to this on the 11th of September, it starts today. And it's not too late. You can come and join us. Um, We are meeting every day this week over Zoom. If you can't make it live, don't worry. You can catch the replays. I have my membership. I have Finding Hope in Widowhood. Surrounding yourself with people that have walked a similar path to you, but not only that, they want to find a way through it. They want to find a way of creating a life they can love again after loss. They are your people. They are the people you want to surround yourself with. They will inspire, motivate, support, uplift. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It really is. Be the things that you love most about your person. Honor them in your life. Think of all the wonderful values, attributes, personality traits your person had and think about how can you incorporate those into your life can can you be that can you show up in that way in some way it's a lovely way to honor them and to to carry on forward being proud of of who you're becoming now remember it's a long road i can't pretend it's not it is. And we need to be patient. We need to be kind and we need to nourish ourselves. The day you plant a seed is not the day the flower blooms. It takes patience. It takes nourishment. It takes sunshine. It takes water. It takes food. It takes love. And over time, that flower will grow and it will plant its roots. And it's the same for you. It does take time. You will grow around your grief. 
but just think about what you are doing for yourself day in, day out. How are you supporting yourself? Are you being kind? Are you being patient? Are you asking for help? Are you supporting yourself in the best way that you can? It starts with one step, one action, small, tiny. It doesn't need to be a great big leap. What will your one step, what will your one action be to help you keep moving, to help you find your way through this in the best way that you can? I'd love to hear. As always, if you have found this episode helpful, please comment, like, share, review, share it everywhere. Let people know about it. Let's reach more people, help more people. And if you haven't signed up to Awakening Hope, please do come and join us. Um, It's running from the 11th to the 14th of September. And we'll be running into Finding Hope in Widowhood. If you want more support, After those four days, it is there. It is waiting for you. It's a 12-month group coaching program, and it is transformative. It is life-changing. It is the thing you have been looking for. So come and join us. Come and see what it's all about. I will put the links in the show notes. I will look forward to seeing you there. And I will very much look forward as well to speaking to you again next week on The Widow Podcast. Thank you. Lots of love. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast.